0: The Seahawks will be wearing their throwbacks from the 90s, and it's fitting that they're going to be playing against a throwback-style opponent with the Cleveland Browns coming to town, riding a multi-game winning streak. We're going to be breaking down that matchup coming up here in Week 8 on our latest edition of Crossover Thursday. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12s and the Dog Pound. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast. Glad to be joined here for our latest crossover Thursday by Jeff Lloyd of Locked On Browns. We're going to be taking a deep dive into Sunday's upcoming matchup. The Cleveland Browns traveling out to Lumen Field, to battle the battle of Seattle Seahawks, both of these teams coming in, riding a wave of momentum. And certainly both teams are playing great defense as well. Really looking forward to breaking down this matchup, key matchups to watch on both sides of the football, X factors, keys to victory, all kinds of fun stuff coming up. This episode is brought your way by our friends over at Prize Picks. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports go to prizepicks.com locked in NFL and use the code all lowercase locked in NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Jeff, we've got this really exciting game coming up on Sunday. I know, at least in the Pacific Northwest, there are other reasons why fans are really excited here. They get to finally wear throwback uniforms and The Cleveland Browns, they're going to be coming in with a throwback style offense and defense, and it's working really well for them right now, especially helping the Seahawks out a few weeks ago, beating the San Francisco 49ers, and they're doing it without their starting quarterback, who will be out again this week.
1: Uh, it's actually funny because this first time, obviously Corbin for you and I has been four years. So, I mean, that was a Russell Wilson Baker Mayfield game back in those days. Um, but yeah, well, and even, you know, messaging last night, as we were starting to set up here, I said, Oh, it should be interesting. I have no idea who the starting running back is and most likely won't know who the starting quarterback is. Um, but the Browns basically, they're not going to do what they did last week. Um, the Browns last week, you know, they did not know on Wednesday, whether or not Deshaun Watson was going to be able to go. Then all of a sudden he's practicing Thursday, practicing Friday and was able to give the Browns about, I think it was about nine reps of offensive football before they had to go to P.J. Walker. A great disservice to P.J. Walker, obviously, because he didn't get the practice time. Um, but the Browns are not going to do that. If Deshaun Watson cannot give them a full week of practice, he is not going to be the quarterback for their team on Sunday. So P.J. Walker, and I think it was an admirable effort against the 49ers. He's, look, he gets the ball out quickly. He knows what he wants to do with it. Um, as far as the interceptions and some turnovers, well, that's why the guy is either a number two quarterback or a number three quarterback in the NFL. You know, That's just the way it goes. Obviously, if his talent was better than that, he'd be starting for somebody somewhere in the league. Um, But it just makes me feel more confident because, look, it is a road game, and, you know, it's one of the most difficult places to play anyway. And now you throw in the fact that, obviously, you know, and everybody gets so gaga about this, fans, and whatever fan base it is, obviously the Browns wearing the white helmets and the all-whites this year. The fans have loved that. I know the excitement from the Seattle fans about the uniforms that are going to come out. But, you know, so for P.J. Walker, um, they did bring back Jordan Wilkins, former Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Colt was with the Browns over the summer. Um, so, you know, and as you were talking, we were talking before we started here. You, know, you get into these situations, and obviously the Seahawks might be trying to do this as well for their roster is, you know, when you're in a pinch and you need a player, if there's somebody that's available that's played for you before – it kind of helps because, you know, obviously that guy has a leg up on the competition. So Jordan Wilkins is back on the practice squad. Most likely will be elevated for the game on Sunday. Um, but I'm excited. I want to see Pierre strong. I think Pierre strong, he's shown some good ability as far as the cutback lanes. This has always been the wide zone and part of what the wide zone is. If it's not there, the way it's called, you look for the cutback lanes and you turn on the jets. Obviously Nick Chubb made a living and made a killing with this. I think Pierre strong has that type of ability. Uh, Kareem hunt was banged up Sunday against the Colts, uh, took a big hit on a direct snap early in the game that he scored a touchdown on. Basically, he got beat up on the final carry that he had in the game Scored another touchdown. He was hurt already. So, you know, I don't think the Browns have any inkling that they think they can just give the ball to Kareem Hunt 15 to 20 times in any capacity. His pitch count on Sunday was five, and he took some big hits. I mean, granted, he got more than five, but to have P.J. out there And, you know, the Browns passing game, I think it's there's nowhere it can go but better because that's how bad it's been, obviously. Um, Elijah Moore, they're starting to finally realize that Elijah Moore is not just a guy to use in gimmick players. I think Kevin Stefanski had a fascination of trying to use him in some Percy Harvin type stuff. And, look, that's great. But you have to have the defense scared to death of the guys a wide receiver first, and you know ESPN just recently uh, did their wide receiver uh, basically rankings, and Elijah Moore is getting open at the fifth best rate of every wide receiver in the NFL. The Browns need to start taking advantage of that. Um, you know what Amari Cooper is capable of. David Njoku obviously is a good. I, it, it's it's there to be had. They should be able to throw the ball better, and in this instance, they're kind of kind of need to to hopefully you know have people ease off on just trying to take away the run because. They don't have their number one running back in Nick Chubb. They don't have their number two running back in Jerome Ford. So Pierre Strong, Kareem Hunt. But the move they made the right move. This was the move I felt they should have done last week because Deshaun Watson. If you can't keep if you have gone that long and you can't give a full practice week, you're probably not ready for the game. So the Browns just eliminated all of it and said, look, P.J. Walker's starting this week, and we'll talk about next week when next week starts. Um, And for now, Deshaun Watson's off to the side, resting, rehabbing, whatever he's doing, throwing behind closed doors, and that's fine. I have no ill will towards the situation with Deshaun Watson and his injury. I have ill will that if it's not working out, it's holding up the rest of the team. Look, this is a really good football team in all three phases: offense, defense, and special teams. Um, if they have to play another couple of weeks without their starting quarterback, that you know, that's the case. But you know, this team just can't start, you know, putting players out there who are not in the best position to succeed.
0: Yeah, I was wondering about that last week because it just seemed like this injury was more significant for Deshaun Watson than what anybody was really letting on. And then to have him just jump into practice on Thursday, as you said, it does do a disservice to the backup quarterback but you mentioned the familiarity aspect when you start having guys go down and Seattle is facing a similar situation on the defensive side of the ball Ucheneduosu one of their leaders on defense a guy that had nine and a half sacks last year 13 tackles for a loss a really good football player he's going to undergo surgery for a torn pectoral muscle so he's done for the season for them just bringing back Kareem Hunt last week a guy that knew their system Uh, Frank Clark was still available in free agency, and so they are bringing back Frank Clark, a player who had a lot of success at the beginning of his career with Seattle, including a 13 and a half sack season in 2018 before they traded him to Kansas City. So he is going to be rejoining this football team. They're hoping there's still some juice left much like Jaron Reed, who they brought back for a second standing, he's having one of the best seasons of his career after being kind of down last year in Green Bay. So they're hoping that that system familiarity, really knowing how to maximize the player, that Frank Clark can come in. They're not expecting him to replace Nuosu's production by himself, but he's another veteran that can really help out. And I think in this game, when you're dealing with a quarterback like P.J. Walker, who does get the ball out quickly, has some athletic ability, can scramble around a little bit, you want to be able to finish with your pass rush and not having Nuosu that creates some issues. But if you have a guy like Frank Clark, who you believe, and Pete Carroll said this yesterday, that he believed Frank Clark is going to be able to play on Sunday, no problem. He knows this system. They are going to use him. Having a guy like that with the experience on your football team that has played for you, being able to come in right away and play, that is a huge boost to this defense that, Certainly has some talent still at the edge rushing positions, but that's going to be something I'm watching going into this game. Can they get pressure on P.J. Walker? And is the run defense going to maintain? Because Lieutenant Nwosu was a really good edge setter, and there's going to be a drop-off there. Can Frank Clark contribute some in that regard, whereas Daryl Taylor has not been able to? So that's something that I'm going to be watching closely in this game, is how does this front line play? How is it impacted by... Chena Nuosu not being available for the rest of the season, first game without him, but being able to turn to a player like Frank Clark, who just happened to still be available, Kansas City wanted him back, but Seattle ended up being the team that brought him back, so they're hoping that he can come in and contribute immediately and make that loss of Nwosu hurt just a little bit less than what it looks like (laughs) it might right now. That is a big-time loss, not just on the field, but in the locker room. Speaking of matchups, we're going to start touching on some of these matchups coming up on Sunday. Offense versus defense for the Seahawks and the Browns at Lumen Field. Don't go away. You're listening to the latest Crossover Thursday here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Why root for your team on an empty stomach? That's a game day travesty that ensures you won't be cheering at your very best. Order on DoorDash and save on football watch party favorites. Right now, you can get 50% off up to $10 value when you spend $15 or more in your first order, When you download the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCKED23, when I'm kicking back and watching the game with friends and family, I love to order Jet City pizza, my favorite gluten-free pizza place in the Seattle region, with a two-liter root beer and cinnamon sticks for the rest of the party. And DoorDash makes the process easy, so I don't have to leave the comfort of my couch for delicious, great-tasting food before and after kickoff. Since it's so simple, I have become such a frequent order of Jet City off the DoorDash app that the people who manage the restaurant know me by name. Ready to satisfy your taste buds on game day? Quench those cravings with your favorite local restaurants via DoorDash. Get 50% off up to $10 value when you spend 15 or more on your first order using the DoorDash app. And enter the code LOCKED23. Subject to change, terms apply. You're listening to the Crossover Thursday special here, Locked on Seahawks, Locked on Browns. I'm Corbett Smith, host of the Locked on Seahawks podcast. Glad to be joined by Jeff Lloyd of the Locked on Browns podcast. And we got this really exciting matchup coming up on Sunday. The Browns, I believe this is just the third trip that they have made to Lumen Field. And it's been a while the last time that Cleveland was in Seattle. Johnny Manziel was still playing quarterback. So you have to go way back in the time machine there for the last time that the Browns played at Lumen Field. It was still called Century Link Field then. And going into this game, there's plenty of intriguing matchups. There's a lot of star power on both of these football teams. So Jeff, what jumps out to you looking at this game from the Browns on an offensive perspective? What is a matchup going up against the Seahawks defense that you're interested to see on Sunday? Uh, well, I mean, it's always the Browns' offensive line, and you know, it's
1: it's weird because some of the things that have been consistent in years past are the things that maybe aren't consistent this year. Um, the interior play, and look, Joel Batonio just returned last week. I had a knee scope, uh, missed the week before, um, so obviously, Joe, you know, Joel was working his way back into it. Um, the tackle play, which is usually something that you know I'm not highlighting on any Lockdown Browns episode, but Dewan Jones at the right tackle position has just been absolutely fantastic. I mean, for him to be a fourth round rookie starting the way he is last week, obviously it was uh 40 pass pro reps only allowed one pressure. I mean, now you're talking about a guy who's handled Nick Bosa. He's played against TJ Watt. He's playing against everybody. He's just been, you know, everything the Browns could absolutely hope for. And be, to be fair, he was an afterthought as a draft pick because they did renegotiate Jack Conklin in December with all intentions of Jack Conklin being the right tackle for this team goes down week one. You got to put the rookie in and he's taking it like a fish to water. Um, one thing I don't, player I don't really talk a lot about positively is Jedrick Wills and he's actually strung together a couple of good games. I think the way this team is the vibe um, and it's a really really unit that's starting to come together. I think everybody just kind of you know the vibe is good everybody feels good with each other and it's allowed for some players that have struggled in years past to maybe just feel a little bit more comfortable and maybe understand that maybe they're getting a fresh start so to speak and you know he had a huge key block on the game winning touchdown for Kareem Hunt. Uh, So them. Hopefully this is, you know, because normally, you know, you know, your interior is what's going to control your running game. Normally your tackles are what's going to hopefully control your passing game. So I think with these guys, and because Seattle gets their sacks from everybody. It's like weirdly defined, you know, each linebacker has a couple. Like you said, Jeron Reed has a couple. Um, you might be dealing with a guy like Frank Clark now. So it's a real balance. It's not like just one pass rusher, or that's the guy we got to take care of, you know, similar to what people think, you know, they do with the Cleveland Browns. Um, So that is certainly what I'm looking for. And for these guys, and look, it's big because there's a couple of aspects when you go into a place like Seattle. It's obviously the simple things of making sure you're not jumping off sides. It's going to be extremely loud. You're, you know, the Browns, uh, anybody in the offensive line is now dealt with three quarterbacks. This is going to be Walker's pseudo third start he played most of the game last week you had Deshaun Watson for two and change of a start you had DTR so obviously changing cadences changing voices that's critical um but they need that offensive line play to continue um because once you're going to maybe lesser and less talent at the running back position and certainly at your quarterback position you need to have your offensive line start to play at a higher and higher level so hopefully for them they're starting to trend back upwards to where this offensive line has been for the Browns in years past
0: yeah, I'm really excited to see the interior offensive line for the Browns. Teller, Betonio going up against – And, and I your old guy, post again. I can't believe that I'm saying this, but on the defensive side, everybody went into the season thinking that the defensive line in the interior was going to be the big weakness for the Seattle Seahawks, and yet Jaron Reed is having one of the best seasons of his career – I think Draymond Jones has played really well. The sacks numbers aren't there yet, but he is playing well. He's disruptive. Mario Edwards looks like a totally different player. He's having a blast right now. Miles Adams has been good. They've gotten good production from rookie Cameron Young, a fourth-round pick. So that line has been really good, but this is going to be a fun litmus test because you have some established standouts in the interior of that offensive line for the Cleveland Browns. They want to get physical up front. Can Seattle handle that? Is this defensive line going to be able to maintain the performance they've had to this point where this has been a top five rushing defense throughout the entire season? They were 30th last year. So all the turnover they had, it's ended up paying dividends. And of course, having Bobby Wagner back there certainly helps as well from a run defense standpoint. But I'm really looking at Draymond Jones, Jaron Reed, Mario Edwards, those guys going up against an interior offensive line that's got plenty of talent at the guard spots, and Ethan Posick, good for him. He struggled in Seattle, particularly with injuries, but he's been pretty good in Cleveland, so this is going to be, to me, the matchup that is defining in this game when the Seahawks are on defense. Now, flipping the script, when the Seahawks are on offense, it sounds like DK Metcalf is going to be back this week, so the Seahawks will be full strength at the receiver position. They're expecting to have Zach Charbonnet and Kenny McIntosh might be available at running back as well, so It is going to be all hands on deck at the skill positions, but the Browns might be looking at this thinking, hey, Abe Lucas isn't back yet, and this is still an offensive line that's had five different starting lineups in five games. And so Miles Garrett and company probably are looking at that thinking, hey, this this is an ideal situation, even on the road.
1: Uh, no doubt. And look, I think for the defensive line and look, this is, you know, look, I, I'm a former wide receiver, but even I'm in awe and I can't get, I can't get enough of watching this Browns defensive line. Um, and you know, the names, you know, obviously the headline names obviously it was Miles Garrett. Uh, you know, you brought in, uh, Okoronko, you brought in Zedarius Smith, you brought in Dalvin Tomlinson. Um, but even more, one of the more surprising guys is Maurice Hurst. He was a guy that, you know, years ago was, you know, highlighted as his great big prospect. His draft cycle went terrible. Um, ended up to a terrible situation in the Raiders, but now he's healthy and, you know, he's not a starter. He's a role player. When the Browns go to the nickel and dime pass rush unit, it is miles Garrett. It is Adarius Darius Smith. It is open. I and it is Maurice Hurst. And he's really, I mean, you can almost book him for about a play a week and it's been really nice to see. But the other thing is, is I, I, this is going to be a fun top three wide receivers for Seattle versus the cornerbacks for the Browns. Denzel Ward, Greg Newsome, Martin Emerson. This is a really, really good group. Obviously they gave San Francisco all that they could handle. Um, but it's going to be fun because, I mean, DK is obviously, you know, you think of him as a big receiver just because he is so physically big and imposing, but he's not necessarily the definition of a big receiver. You've got Lockett who kind of does a little bit of everything. Um, and and Jigbiz is obviously starting to really, really come on. So it's going to be a fun matchup as far as that is concerned as well because, um, you know, defensively, I'm I, I just in awe. And like we've said for weeks, oh, well, Miles Garrett should have been defensive player of the week. Miles Garrett. And it's always like, well, you know, is there a separate bar for Miles Garrett? To be defensive player of the week? Yeah, well, maybe it's to have two, sort of two two sacks with two forced fumbles and then all of a sudden just jump over a guy who's six foot four, three 310 pounds in a field goal situation and block a field goal. Um, but this defense is coming in hot. And even though the Colts gave up points last week, the Browns defense did account for getting points back themselves. And look, the Ravens game, they didn't play well on defense. 49ers game, they did play very well on defense. Colts game, not so well. So does it keep trending that way? And maybe you get a really good effort again from this Browns defense this week in
0: Seattle. Yeah, to me, it all boils down to, can you give Geno Smith enough time to be able to throw the football? Because I have a lot of respect for Cleveland's secondary, but I also look at Seattle's receiving core and the tight ends. This is a game the tight ends could have a lot of impact in the passing game as well. Geno Smith's got so many weapons, and that's not including Jake Bobo, who has been a phenomenal story as an undrafted rookie that they brought in that is putting up big numbers. So They've got all those weapons. If they can just find a way to keep Geno Smith upright and give him a little bit of time to be able to work with the weapons around him, being at home, that gives you a little bit of an advantage slowing down the opposing pass rush on its own. But to me, that is the key. Are you going to be able to make it that Miles Garrett doesn't single-handedly destroy this game? Is Charles Cross going to be able to step up to the plate? Who's your right tackle? I thought Stone Forsyth looked pretty solid last week. But that was the Arizona Cardinals. This is the Cleveland Browns. So this game to me really boils down to how those guys protect Geno Smith. Can they give him enough time to take advantage of his weapons? Because when he has time to throw, uh, there's very few, if any, teams that have the talent at the receiver position that the Seattle Seahawks have right now. They just have to give Geno Smith time that he can get the football to those guys. And if they can, even though this Browns defense is first in passing defense, you still have to believe there's a chance the Seahawks can get some plays on them, especially on their home turf. Real quick, Jeff, going into this game, who is the X factor that you're watching that maybe people aren't talking about that could have a big bearing on this game?
1: For me, it's Elijah Moore. Um, and it, it seems like this is the guy every week. Um, I, I think it's there, and I think um, the Browns, I think, no. And, you know, and especially now, because teams are just shifting more and more coverage to Amari Cooper, because Amari Cooper had a – bunch of big weeks and they need somebody else from the wide receiver room to get it done donovan peoples jones who had a great year last year still in single digit receptions to this point i think it's elijah moore and there's a big one coming there is and look he runs a lot of underneath stuff and that i'm that's okay okay with because i do think the the run after catchability is there um i I really think it's it's elijah moore there's gonna be an opportunity here for him i think um and look it's gonna be a tough matchup obviously seattle's always played great defense under pete carroll but i think there's gonna be that 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 opportunity there for more to take a couple of catches and probably turn them into more than just what, you know, the perceived value of those catches would have been. There's been a lot of plays where he was maybe one juke move, one broken tackle away from one play being 70 yards or maybe one play being 35, 40 yards. And I think maybe he's due. One of those is coming this week.
0: I'm going to go with Zach Charbonnet who missed last week. At some point with the red zone issue Seattle's had, as great as Ken Walker the third is, and he has had production in the red zone. He's scored a bunch of touchdowns. But there's also been a lot of plays where it felt like if you had that battering ram running back, you'd have a better chance to be able to punch the ball in and have success down there. I think that's been their biggest issue in the red zone. Geno's made some knucklehead decisions, but he's also been put in some tough spots because they haven't been able to run the ball effectively down there. Zach Charbonnet with his size, his power between the tackle ability. That is a guy that I think that's where you need to get him. So I think this could be the game as long as his hamstring's healthy that We might see him get some reps if Seattle can sustain some drives and get into the red zone. Get him down there and let his punching style work for you. Try to get that run game going when you are approaching the opposing goal line. Up next, we're going to look at keys to victory and, of course, game day predictions. That'll be coming up next year on Crossover Thursday on the Locked On Podcast Network, which is brought your way by FanDuel. Get ready for week eight in the NFL with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, There's no better time to get into the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads into the Seahawks being a a three-and-a-half-point favorite over the Browns, player props including Devin Witherspoon's increasing rookie of the year odds, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and enjoy the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. My family and I love to travel, whether visiting Cannon Beach on the Oregon Coast or hiking in the Rocky Mountains. While these trips are always a blast, there's no such thing as being too prepared, particularly when you are in remote areas with limited or no cell reception. If you get sick or suffer an injury and you aren't close to an urgent care or emergency room, it's a good thing to have peace of mind. And the Jace Case from Jace Medical checks off that box. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world today. It's important to be prepared. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case Five life saving antibiotics for emergency use so that you are not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. You can also customize your case and add additional life saving medications based on your own unique needs. Jace is continually working to expand their medication offerings and recently they added ivermectin as an option in the Jace case. Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand and they handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery ongoing consultation and care don't get caught unprepared buy a gift card for a family member they can get a jace case of their own get 20 dollars off on these life-saving antibiotics today from jace medical by using the code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com that's j-a-s-c medical.com you're listening to crossover thursday here locked on seahawks locked on browns i'm corbin smith host of the locked on seahawks podcast glad to be joined by jeff lloyd the host of the locked on browns podcast we've got a big week Week eight clash coming up at Lumen Field, Seahawks and Browns. Two teams that are thinking playoffs. The Seahawks are certainly thinking an NFC West championship. I know the Browns are right in the thick of things to win the AFC North as well. Going into this game, Jeff, Seahawks have home field advantage. And I will tell you, I feel like the 12s have returned to full form this year. The last couple of years, it seemed like it wasn't quite the same at this stadium. But the noise has been elevated this year. With that task in front of them, what are the keys to victory for the Browns to be able to come into Seattle and get their first win at Lumen Field?
1: Uh, You know, I think we I think we touched on both aspects. Probably going to be controlling the line of scrimmage. Um, You know, defensively, um, this defensive line. It's again, it's just the the level they're playing at. And you know, Geno Smith can move a little bit, um, but you know, he's never. You know, you're never going to basically say, oh well, Geno Smith's going to take care of this all with his legs. Um, He didn't run well coming into the league out of West Virginia, so I'm assuming he's gotten any better since. Um, But they're just so quick to the point of attack on defense. And for a team that never had defensive, I've I've covered this team now. This is about my seventh season. They've never had defensive tackle play. Like nothing ever got blown up right away up the middle, and which is why I've emphasized for seven years why defensive tackle play is so important. Browns fans are now starting to see it. A play is dead before it even begun. This is the difference between attacking from obviously the interior as opposed to, you know, the outside rushers. Um, uh, You know, offensively, it's going to be where it's tricky. Look, you know, uh, PJ Walker has made enough starts in the NFL that this shouldn't be too big. Obviously, the place is going to be roaring, you know, the 12s. You know, they were going to be fired up anyway once, he's, you know, you were going back with these jerseys. So I don't think, it. you know, that's going to be the issue. But the fact is, if they start to get down or it's one mistake, it's writing the ship. Like the way the game went last week against the Colts. If the Browns get into a situation like that, I don't think you're going to come back in Seattle like you did in Indianapolis. It's just a whole different environment and obviously a much better product of a football team on the field. So they've got to come out and they got to stick to the script early. And the script has got to be strong early. You know, they've got to find a way to just, you know, points, points, points. You know, granted, Baracquez can flip the field at any time. Um, But if you're punting the ball, you know, if we're talking more than five punts, obviously that'll probably be, you know, you know exactly what the deal was going to be for the Browns. It probably wasn't going to be their day. But I think, you know, with their offensive line, they got to find a way to control this. And even if they don't run great. They got to find a way to at least run effective, hopefully to, you know, at least keep time of possession in their hands and not let their defense get tired, because that's been some of the issues for the defense to this point is being on the field too much. They can do those things. The Cleveland Browns have proven that they can play with anybody in the NFL, obviously, after beating the San Francisco 49ers. But it is a tough place to play on the road. Um, and they just need to be clean, you know, it's simple, it's clean, it's smart, and you know, obviously it's just trying to keep you know time of possession in their favor and hopefully, you know, lack of penalties and th- those types of things, you know, the simples, the basics.
0: Yeah, I don't want to sound cliché with my keys to victory, but but to an extent this is a very simple one for the Seattle Seahawks to me. On offense, You've got to be able to get that run game going. They did get 100-plus rushing yards from Ken Walker the third last week, but that was against a Cardinals defense that doesn't have near as much talent as what the Cleveland Browns do. But you can't end up in a position where Geno Smith is dropping back 40 to 45 times in this game and letting Miles Garrett and company tee off on it. They have got to be able to run the football and get some under-center, and I'm putting emphasis on that, under-center play action. Enough with the shotgun, <laughs> shotgun crap. If you get in the red zone, no more of the at the goal line shotgun runs. If you're going to run the ball, get under center. That drives me absolutely insane. But get that run game going. Take a little bit of pressure off Geno so that hopefully he doesn't have pass rushers coming after him every time he drops back. And you can get some of those plays to your star receivers. And on defense, it's really simple to me. I know P.J. Walker's now started a handful of games, but this is a former XFL quarterback make. PJ Walker beats you shut down the run and say, look, I know you've got talented receivers, but we're going to get after you. We're going to force you into some bad decisions, which he has made the last couple of games throwing interceptions. We've got ball Hawks like Devin Witherspoon, Quandre Diggs, Reek Woolen is due for an interception. We've got all these studs back there. We think we can get after the quarterback. You beat us, PJ Walker. To me, it's that simple. Put the backup quarterback in a spot where he has to carry the offense something he has not shown that he is capable of doing to this point. Keeping that in mind, I never dish out my score predictions until the Friday show, but looking at the fan duel odds right now, the Seahawks are three and a half point favorites at home against the Browns going into this game. Jeff, what are your thoughts on how this game is going to play out from a spread perspective?
1: I think the Browns should be right in there. And I don't think it's odd to say that this would be a field goal game. You know what I'm saying? It, you know, uh, and, you know, we kind of did this last week. You know, the, the thought process would maybe, the you know, the Browns could beat the Colts significantly, uh, you know, came down to obviously, you know, 39-38 with a missed two-point, would have been a three-point, like, you know. So I would say, you know, I, to me, that it feels right probably. We'll see where it goes from here because um, my, my, my belief would be that maybe – Line's going to go a little bit higher towards Seattle's uh, liking as we get closer to the game. I don't see a way, you know, with a PJ Walker announcement, the line is going to trend in favor of the Browns. That doesn't seem to make much sense. Um, But, you know, I, I think it's right there. And look, I mean, the Browns, it's simple. If the Browns can play to the best of their abilities, San Francisco 49ers, it honestly probably doesn't even matter who's playing quarterback. They do other things. Well, they run the ball. Well, they, you know, they've run, they've ran the ball. Well, they do well on special teams. Their defense has shown that, you know, obviously at times to be the absolute best defense in this league. So it doesn't necessarily matter who your quarterback is. It matters that the quarterback who it is does not go out there and make mistakes and cost you ball games.
0: Yeah, I look at this game, even though I think Seattle obviously has a significant advantage at the quarterback position, and and I love the uh, skill players they have around him, and the defense has been playing lights out. Last three games, average of 10 points allowed per game. They are going to have to try to function without Nuchena Nuosu, and I think bringing in Frank Clark, who can play right away for you, is going to help ease that, uh, mitigate the loss there. Of Nwosu. But still, that's something that you got to keep a close eye on. I think three and a half is about right. I think this is a game that's going to be inside that one score range that's going to be really close because I do have great respect for Cleveland's run game and the coaching, particularly on defense. I feel like they are phenomenal in that regard right now with how they are mixing things up each week. And so it makes, t- it, makes it tough to game plan for. So even with this being at home, I think this is going to be a very close game. I would give a slight edge to Seattle because of the quarterback situation. But you and I both know, Jeff, the trenches are where games are won. And Cleveland could have a significant advantage on both sides of the ball there. So I'm eager to see how this plays out. As always, a special thanks to the 12s and the Dog Pound for listening into this crossover Thursday special. Make sure to listen to Locked On Seahawks and Locked On Browns on Friday as we continue to preview this upcoming game coming up at Lumen Field. Enjoy the rest of your Thursday and thanks for listening. Go Hawks, go Dogs.